Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. So, hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Uh, Rochelle, I was just looking at how many of these we've done. You know which number we're on now? 12. No, 22. <laughs> this is, we've done 22 of these things. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> we've got to do 22 more. Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll get, uh, we'll get at least to 100, if not, uh, what do you think? 100, 500, 1,000? When it starts making money. That's when, right. that's when we've met the, met the mark. So we need to figure out how to fix that part. But uh, I'm talking to someone about that uh, one day next week. So I'm hoping awesome. to learn more. Awesome. Uh, so today we're going to talk about different types of career and careers in technology, which I think is a, a very interesting topic. Uh, when I started in technology, I was like, uh, I don't really know what type of careers there are. Like when I thought of as a non-IT person, I thought IT careers meant help desk. And uh, I think a lot of people outside of uh, IT still think that uh, as referenced by like everybody who asked me how to fix Outlook. And I'm like, I have no idea about Outlook. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you are asking the wrong person. Uh, that said, I think Help Desk is an awesome job to have. And I think a lot of people uh, uh, really start there. Uh, my first job was, I would consider it like a help desk job. I was just in a small office helping people plug in computers and uh, troubleshooting like email clients and things like that. And uh, at least for me, it was a great springboard off into all sorts of other uh, technologies. Uh, Rochelle, what was, what was your first job in tech? It was at a, was it at a school? Is that Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola, Coca right. And uh, I was a punch card operator. And you probably don't know about this. You're probably too young. But back in the day, mainframe computers, IBM mainframe computers carried the day. So like we are doing about clouds, mainframe used to be everything, you know, and, and mm -hmm. huge monstrosities machines, uh, you know, with the air-cooled rooms and the raised floors and, you know, all that stuff. Now we do much better with our server racks and all that stuff. But um, the mainframe computers, uh, the, the first series was the IBM 360, and then the next one was the 370. But they had uh, card readers, and they mm -hmm. were punch cards. You know, and so you had to, you know, make the machine punch the cards and put them in order. You pull the tray and you went to where it was supposed to be. The key is never to drop the punch card. You wonder how many times I dropped it. Let's not talk about that. But anyway, uh, um, but that was my job was to move the punch card trays from the punch reader to the mainframe to wherever it was supposed to go. And that was my job. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So like when I think of uh, technical or when I think of IT jobs now, like I was trying to think of how to sort of break those down. And I think a lot of IT jobs are like strictly, strictly technical related, like uh, data analysts, systems analysts, programmers. Uh, but then there's also like a lot of management type positions and not just like people managers, but data managers, project managers, uh, all in sort of like non-technical IT roles. Uh, in addition to leadership, security, uh, and again, back to like help desk, there's just so many different things. Do you ever, when you find someone new in technology, where do you, like, where would you point them if someone's like, hey, I wanna get into IT? I, my, like, my uh, sort of instinct is to say, oh, jump in the help desk because help desk is, help desk touches everything, help desk sort of goes all over the place. Uh, do you agree there? Or do you think that there are other more, uh, appropriate spots for folks just getting their feet wet with uh, with an IT career? I think 
think the help desk is not a bad place to work. I, help desks are also call support roles. That's typically what it is. You end up supporting products and people using those things. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with a help desk, it's not a long-term job. And a lot of people get in it and they're stuck there long-term because you burn out. Because the pressure of being a help desk, if you can imagine someone calling in and saying, I'm having a problem. It's in the middle of a deadline or something. And they have some critical thing they have to do. And they're calling in for help. And the person on the phone is not necessarily a specialist, meaning they can pump out an answer just immediately, but they need to work through it. They may have to escalate it. It's just one of those jobs where you get burned out quickly because the demand is great. So when you're on that shift between eight and five or whatever hours you're working, there's very little breaks in the demand that's coming in. And now that we're moving more to you know remote learning, emerging technologies, that role is going to be even under more pressure to solve problems. So, you know, if you can imagine when someone's IOT goes poop, you know, can you imagine what that person on the other end of that support line is going to be like? So um, I asked Alexa to order a pizza and she ordered a stove. How do I return this stove? You know, so the person that's at the help desk, uh, you know, kind of says, well, you know, I've got to be more of a generalist. I've got to know all these things. I think that in a lot of ways, help desk is a good place. But if you have an interest, you know, so if you are a social media person, if you like tinkering with the web, if you like, you know, seeing how things come up and the outcomes of things, you know, you know, what programming is, is great. Web design is great. And these are high paying jobs these days, you know. So back in the day, so when I, I went from a punch card operator to a tape operator to a desk operator and then to a uh, um, a programmer. So I, the first application that was I was that all at Coca Cola, all at Coca Cola, and uh, and all within a year. Um, oh wow! But, but um, what was really interesting about that was like you know, so I Cobol, Fortran, and Assembler. So you don't hear those words talked about very often, although all three of them still exist. People don't use them in the typical programming job now. You know, you've got Python and C and you know, all these other things that people use to code. But back in the day, that was what we used to create the outcomes on the mainframe computers. And then there were these applications like CICS, which is a customer interface system, IMS, which is a database. You know, there were all these systems that were out there. And CICS was really the early foundation for ATMs because basically it it managed customer actions within technology. Uh, so um, it was really uh, a very interesting thing. But I think that you have to start where you like to work because, you know, there are some days in IT where it is demanding. It, oh, yeah. it, it is it is strenuous. It is stressful. You know, and if you don't love it, you can burn out or quit. And, you know, people say that there isn't a thing as a leaky pipeline, but there is a leaky pipeline. You know, people leave STEM all the time, specifically IT, because, you know, there's no reward from your leadership. There's no reward from the people you work with. It's kind of like you just get in there and grind. And you have to have a certain mentality to, to, to take that day in and day out. You know, when you've got deadlines, projects, all these things pouring in on you, and you've got to get done by a certain period of time. If, you're, if your mindset isn't such that you can tolerate that, you'll lead the field. So you need to find something you like to do. And I think that part of that is trial and error. You know, so, you know, back, and I think I told you this before. So back in the day, every two years, I changed jobs early in my career, probably till I was probably 30. I changed jobs every two years because of that burnout, you know. Oh, yeah. And that's more accepting now. There was a time where people worked at a company for 30, 40 years, got their gold watch and retired. Well, companies don't offer the gold watch anymore, but 
you know, jumping around in a corporation. So if you work for someplace like Duke, you know, and specifically Central IT Duke, there's so many places you could go. You could go from security to uh, programming to infrastructure. You could just go all over the place, you know, within one organization, you know, and that might give help you get a feel for it. But you really need to find out what kind of person you are when you're going into that job, because there are some days just not glamorous. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think like bigger places like Duke and universities, there are those places to jump to and Coca-Cola uh, as well. But uh, when you're working for a smaller company, it's very hard because like you're hired for a job and there may be, you know, like no place to go until like the person above you like quits or retires. Like that's, I worked at a lot of like smaller places uh, earlier in my career. And that was sort of the case. It was like, well, the next person up on the line has been here for 20 years. So you have another 20 years until they retire and then like you can apply for what they're doing. And it's like, well, I'll just have to go somewhere else because that's yeah. uh, <laughs> that's not great. Uh, another thing that you hit on that really rung a bell with me too is like when we're talking about like grinding in these IT jobs, a lot of it is you're grinding to keep the lights on, right? Like you're grinding to keep that email going. And yeah. which is sort of weird because that's not something that people like really see. They don't say, oh, email team did so great today we didn't have any email outages <laughs> but if the email goes down everyone notices that and it's uh you know sort of a very grueling thing um another thing that i've sort of noticed is as you're like progressing or switching around in careers like the folks that have to deal with the major shared services like uh i think about networking and storage devices like that stuff can be so stressful like you know, the network goes down, uh, you know, that can be payroll, that can be the uh, ventilators, that can be who knows what. And it's just, you know, things can touch so much. It can be, uh, I'm sure it can be, I don't work in networking or storage, but I'm sure it can be stressful. <laughs> Those can, are the... and, and I think the problem with, with what we do now is, you know, if you look back, if you took a snapshot 10 years ago and maybe 20 years ago looking at IT, so part of it, you know, was, you know, pretty much isolated. No one cared about IT. We were kind of forced off to our side, to the side. We weren't a part of the mainstream of things. But now everything lives and dies by the internet and by social media and all these other things. So, you know, if you look at, you know, any any organization of any size or that makes any money, there are people constantly hacking at it you know, oh, yeah. whatever reason, ransomware, you know, to see if they can shut it down, you know, all of these kinds of things. And, you know, when you're in a job where it is your job to make sure the network does not go down, that the, the business continues to operate. So we see here uh, on the news in the last few days about this uh, pipeline hack, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're talking about whether the price of gas will go up and they're talking about the implications for all of this. And then the people who hacked it, you know, want ransomware. This is a like like the people who do that who that's all they do is security day in and day out. They have the most important job and the most problematic, most stressful job of all because you're you're running to catch up with yourself, right? Yeah. So how do I keep my my company's business working? How do I stay on top of the trends? And how do I prevent those who want to get in to get in? And so when you think about things like these new terms that's come in our vernacular, right? So ransomware. So we heard of ransom. We were thinking people were kidnapping people, you know, like the Lindbergh baby and all that stuff. We were kidnapping people. and, and But now mm -hmm. people are hijacking people's data and people's infrastructure and they're running off with it, you yeah. know, and saying, if you want it back, you know, you have to give me X amount of money. And if you think about the early impotence of that. So, you know, back in the day, 
you know, you would have your code corrupted. Somebody would send out a, a fish or some kind of virus or something like that, which would scramble up your, your code. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether they did that for, for money or what, but they would do that. And you would just at a loss, especially if you didn't back up your data or something like that, you didn't have backup, you just had a loss. Well, now they're doing it with the intent of if you, if this data is so really important to you, then you should, you know, back it up and keep it. So it's not there. And I think we talked about this one time with our colleagues, the only secure, completely hundred percent secure is something that's not on the network, dig, dug in a hole, buried 80 feet deep and cemented and, you know, whatever else you can put on it to make it un- because there's no way to prevent for what somebody's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, ab- absolutely. That uh, early, early and mid in my career, I remember like all of the hacking attacks, or at least the ones that I was involved uh, with cleaning up were like, someone would hack into a website and like deface it, right? They would say like, this website is hacked by elite hacks or blah, you know? And it was yeah. like, uh, well, you know, that's like really annoying, <laughs> uh, but it's easily fixable. And right. then for a while, for a short while, they were doing uh, crypto mining where it's like, yeah. okay, we can break into this person's website, but we don't wanna, we don't wanna deface anything because we don't want them to know we're there. And we're right. just gonna sit there and mine Bitcoin. Right. And then I guess when that got not as profitable and you know, harder to do, then they start doing these ransomware things where it's like, we're going to get in, we're going to get in as, as many places as we can. And then we're just going to screw you until you pay us. Like we're going to encrypt everything. You're going to have to give us some Bitcoin or, uh, you know, we're just going to delete it. And that's it. And that's like a business. Like people have, uh, people, you can outsource that stuff. now. You can hire a hacker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's very scary. and, And you know, what's really interesting about this. I mean, you know, so, um, a lot of people coming out of college are going in IT because we've made IT sound so glamorous, right? It pays well. There's little uh, unemployment fluctuation in it. You know, it's got its problems. It's sexist. It's, it's discriminatory. doesn't hire, you know, but, but IT is, is glamorous now. It really is. I mean, so, you know, there was, um, I think this is about two or three years ago. I don't remember exactly, but some young kid who had done something with Fortnite. Fortnite is done here in North Carolina. And mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where, you know, somebody made a million dollars, you know, from writing some code, you know, so all of this has made the internet and technology and IT glamorous. I think STEM as a whole glamorous. STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math, but made all of that glamorous in a way that people think, well, I want a job in that. You know, and then you think about what they do in college to get this degree, you know, and, and, and as I said this, I say this all the time, the language of IT is so convoluted. Yeah. You need someone with you to decipher because we are famous for acronyms. We love yeah. acronyms. We have so many acronyms. We don't even know what to do with ourselves. And oh, yeah. we come up with a new one every day. Uh, you know, so um, a lot of that is that for the general public, especially younger people, they understand the structural or maybe even the framework of IT and technology. But when you get down to the, the meat and potatoes of IT, very few people, unless you've really got a knack for it, understand all the layers of it. You know, so I was reading something the other day. I think I told you this. I'm taking a cloud class, you know, mm-hmm. and I was sitting there reading something the other day about all the ports. You know, and so most people in IT know about 10 ports that they know regularly, right? So, you know, all in, some in, none in, you know, so, mm-hmm. and, you know, all of these ports. And so who knows that? Who wants to know all of that kind of minutiae stuff? You know, I remember somebody asked me how much data was a petabyte. And I said, <laughs> I don't think I can write that many zeros, but it's a lot. You know? <laughs> and, and so uh, 
knowing things that you don't necessarily, it will serve you no value to know, but you know it because you've oh, yeah. been there for a long time. You've been in it. So, you know, all these ins and outs and stuff like that. And, and think about how much we forget along the way too, you know, so I don't use that technology anymore. So you remember when AD first came out, you know, or grouper and all those things. So, you know, we were all AD and grouper experts. And then they weren't as popular anymore. So we started moving more to the cloud and we had to learn new words. So, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, the terminology is like very hard. I, I remember when I was first starting, this is sort of in the middle of my career, uh, I was at a place that had uh, HP EVA storage devices. And like every time, like my first few days, I would go to a meeting, they'd be like, oh, we got to put that on the HP EVA. And I'd be like, what's the HP EVA? And they'd be like, it's a storage device. And I'd be like, oh, okay, the storage device. I can just say storage device, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then 10 minutes later, like, what's the, they'd be like, oh, and the, it's on the HPEV. And I'm like, wait, what's the HPEVA again? And I'm like, do they think I'm an idiot? Like, I keep forgetting this, but I've never worked with one and I've never heard of it before. And that is a storage device to them, right? That is their, they don't need to know the generic thing, but it's very, okay. it was very, very exclusive. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember that was true. Um, like, so right now we have, uh, I guess maybe four or five operating systems that live in the world, right? So we got Microsoft, Windows, we've got, you know, Linux, we've got, um, uh, got old BSD, uh, yeah, yeah. Mac all, OS, Mac OS, right. I was thinking Linux when I was thinking Mac, but you got all of those different things. So back in the day, we had Sun OS, mm -hmm. Solaris, you know, so like, you know, like those have kind of gone by the wayside, you know, and so what you grew up doing or what you learned early on falls into the recesses of your mind. Like if I had to write an assembler program right now, it would take me a week to write it because I have forgotten oh, yeah. so much about, like I remember FF is 255. I remember <laughs> that. That's what I remember about assemblers. FF is 255. That's terrible, but that's how, you know, you're, you, you age out in, in IT in a way that, you know, these things that you learn, you don't necessarily come back and visit them. And I think to yeah. go on to your point you made, so, when you're a technician versus a manager versus uh, uh, an, an accountant or a finance person in the IT space, right? So each one of you have different roles. So that accountant, CFO in finance may not understand all the language that goes down in IT, but he or she is responsible for the budget within IT, right? So keeping track of how much money you're spending. And then you have the leader, the manager, whatever, of the IT group. He or she may not even know half the things that they're responsible for. They have a good conceptual idea, but they they don't get into the nitty gritty of it every day, right? So they're yeah. kind of over, overseeing it and everything. So their knowledge of IT is different from the person who's doing it every day. So if you've got your security guy that's all or girl, all he or she is doing is security things, they will have knowledge that their manager or their whatever, however far up it is may not have. And so you know, that the the job of keeping track of the trends and where things are going may be in the leadership, but it's also incumbent upon that person that's working in the trenches to know too, because he or she's got to fix whatever it is that they decide to put in front of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, like, workers are always going to know, like, uh, they're going to be, they're the ones that are, you know, putting hands on keyboards and having to do this stuff. So I think it really is incumbent upon those folks. And, you know, managers and leaders can do their best, I think. But it's hard for managers and leaders to uh, to keep up with all that as well, because they have a whole other set of jobs to do. Yeah. And I think that that's an important thing for people to know. So if you're thinking about becoming a manager, you know, and there's always the, the, the two tracks, right? Do I go into technicians or do I go into leadership? And so those two tracks. And so whichever one you pick, you can expect to lose some of your knowledge about the other. 
because if you're not, if you're a tech, if you go to technician trek and all you're doing is techie things, that leadership dealing with people and all that stuff, that part kind of, you know, kind of wanes a little bit because you aren't keeping track of all that stuff anymore. You know more of the techie stuff and the exact is true of the other side. If you are the more leadership side, you don't know all the in, intricate details of the techie side. So you have to pick your poison that way too. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think uh, at least uh, for me, like, the most of my career was in uh, non-management and then I did do a little stint doing management and I think that little stint in management while it definitely was not my thing it definitely helped to sort of see behind that management curtain and I think made me a better like worker because it was like a lot of times you just don't know what managers do right yeah you have a meeting with them yeah and you make assumptions about what they do or you make assumptions about what they're doing when when they're not with you so how come you aren't telling me that and you know I think that's one of the interesting things about um, working in IT, right? So, you know, you can't tell, like there's a desire to be more open and more transparent. You want people to, but there's so much you can't say. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's the salary thing, you know, so they bring in a new person or they create a new role or whatever it is. You aren't privy to why they did that or what that is, but somehow another, and this is you as a technician, you're seeing it. And what's the implication? So why hasn't my manager called me in and talked to me about this? Or how come we haven't had a discussion about this? And so there's that, 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 that dichotomy of being a part of IT and not at the same time because there are constrictions or restrictions, if you will, on the manager or the leader in that group because he or she can't divulge everything, although he or she may want to, they can't divulge mm-hmm. everything. So there's a part that creates an imbalance, if you will, between the tech and the manager. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about, like, I know some company, well, I guess it's not the companies that are pushing for it, but the employees to have, like, uh, open salaries. Like, everyone knows everyone else's salary. Like, when I when I have my management hat on, I'm like, oh, that would be a nightmare because everyone is going to be furious except for the one person making the most money. Right. And they're probably going to be mad that they're not making <laughs> more Even than, more. yeah, right. yeah, yeah, exactly. But the other part of me says, well, you know, like that's how you get pay equality is like knowing what everybody is making and making sure that it all evens out. But I, I was curious what you thought about that. I think I agree with you, sir. I'm sure you heard me say this a thousand times. HR is the least transparent organization in any organization. You know, they got more secrets than, than the FBI and the CIA combined. They keep secrets, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that creates this thing where it's so easy to air on the side of the organization versus airing on the side of the employee, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, they've got, you, you create a job class. And so the job classes uh, help this. And so that job class is this, here's the range we're going to pay for that. And then we go out and do all these industry studies and see what the range is for this kind of role. So this person right here will make 40,000 or $50,000 a year. And everybody in that role assumes that that's what everybody else is making. Mm-hmm. But there are factors that may not. So how long have they been with the corporation? You know, so there used to be times when organizations gave bonuses and, you know, good uh, uh, performance increases, but that's kind of gone by the wayside. But you have somebody who's been in that company for 20, 30 years, and they probably got all of that. So they may still be in that that support role and making way more than somebody else who has been in it five or 10 years. And not necessarily because he or she came in with that high salary, but because they got those other increases and stuff that the company gave over time, which is companies are kind of phasing that out, trying to do a more uniform increase or or bonus or whatever it is. But then the other side is, is that, you know, so if you have, you know, among people on a team or in an organization, you develop relationships, you have very close relationships. So, you know, you share this information with each other. So a lot of my colleagues 
at Duke, we share information about our salary. So, you know, like one will tell me how much they make, I'll tell how much they make, or I got this much in my increase or whatever it is. And you share that information. And so then the information becomes lopsided in the organization because HR and the company, the leadership is thinking nobody knows this, but yeah. now there's more and more people knowing it and people are becoming restless, right? So people are going to think, well, I can leave or whatever it is, where eventually the information is going to get out one way or the other whether the employee tells it or whether the company tells it, but it's going to get out and it's going to get out to the point where it creates cre disharmony among yes. people. So people who were your best friend, when you find out he or she makes $10,000 more than you do, they become less your best friend, which makes the work environment less harmonious and most less fluid to work in. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I mean, the, the best thing you're going to get out of that is like tons of microaggressions. Right. Like, exactly. exactly. And the worst case is going to be, you know, a huge blow up or, or worse like it's it's awful right. right and that's why i say you should tell you know you this the baseline information should be available to anybody so if everybody that's in this category so we say the support role if everybody in that category makes fifty thousand dollars that's the baseline salary for everybody in that role but you may have people that have variations in their salaries everybody should know that's what the baseline salary is not that we're going to bring somebody in and hire them at thirty thousand and somebody at 60 but that the baseline for anybody in this job makes 50 and i think for a support role that's probably a reasonable salary but considering the stress and, and, and issues that they face but okay. i want to raise one more thing about support so um first i want to talk about a term that ha i had not heard until maybe 10 years ago and mm -hmm. so that was picnic I don't know what that is. Interesting. So you <laughs> must not have been out there in the field very much. Prop <laughs> and chair, not in computer. <laughs> Problem in chair, not in computer. So picnic. I, I, don't, I don't know where I was when I heard that. But so someone has called the support office and said, hey, I've got a problem. And let's just say, I'll give you one of my favorite ones. My computer will not come on. And I've done everything I can. And I can't get my, did it work yesterday? Yes, it worked yesterday. You know, did anything happen? Did you see anything? We didn't do any maintenance or service upstate. So I don't know why this is not working. And the person says, no, it worked perfectly fine. When I went home last night, I powered it off. You know, when I came in this morning to turn it on, it would not come on. Mm -hmm. You know, and after, you know, you go through your short list of questions to ask for this problem. You know, we all create these metrics and, and, and kind of our, uh, rubrics of you know what you do when you have these problems and so you walk so you walk through it and so now the technician is puzzled because okay nothing has changed you turn it off you know and now you come in today and it's not working okay so okay we're i'm going to send a technician out there so we're in the middle of uh COVID now and so i can't send a technician out there so we're going to have to zoom or something to, to see what's happening yeah and when you get to the bottom of it, after hours of this, you get to the bottom of it and the person hit off their uh, UPS cord, code, yeah. cord when they turn <laughs> off to go home. And so you get that term picnic. And so it's a matter of managing expectations on both sides, right? So the technician has a list of resources that he or she has for solving a problem. And the person who has a problem has an expectation that this person is going to be able to solve it considering they're not there in person with you, right? So they're not in the room with you. They can't see the computer. So they're trying to shop, troubleshoot the problem. And you could say, you could use this across any IT or any technology, just, you know, email, you know, Zoom. You remember there was a Zoom outage out there, you know, so people, you know, so you could pick any one of these things and trying to figure out whether the problem is with the device or the software or the application or whether the problem is with the user, i.e. the user yeah. 
hit their UPS uh, power strip and turned it off and uh, oh, yeah. turned it back on when he or she came in the next morning. You know, and it's like that part of it that's really, you know, when you're thinking about going into IT, expect that, right? So you're going to have some tech, some, 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 some customers who are not technical and learning to speak in plain English and to not, to not assume that that person knows what you know, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, you, you come to your mind, did you, uh, did you hit the power strip when you went home? You know, the person yeah. might not even know what a power strip is. You know, so you're asking them something they don't know. So that, you know, when you think about careers, you need to be prepared for the people that really understand and is able to communicate with the support person to have to walk through the problem. And there are people who can't. And that's one of the places where, and this will follow you no matter where you go in, in, in technology. So whether you're a web designer, a, a, a security, whatever you are, this is going to follow you because you're going to have that same user call you and say, hey, I got an email from the head of the organization inviting me to lunch. You know, you as a technician immediately says there's something wrong with that. You know, because, <laughs> you know, unless you're normally getting an email from the head of the organization, this is not normal. So you're trying to ascertain whether this is phishing or something like that. And the person has no idea what you're talking about. And so that's one of the pitfalls, I think, that exists in technology is understanding how to meet your customer where they are. And yeah. to remember, though, you might know something the other person might not. Yeah, yeah, I I 100% agree with that. And I think sort of going along with that, even though people are going to be less technical than you and not even understand like what a UPS is, right? Like not talking down to them, but, uh, and I think a lot of times that's hard because it's like, oh, well, duh, did you plug the UPS in? Like, I've told 30 other people this this morning, like, how come you don't know that? It's like, oh, well, this is the first time you've done it in your life. That's good to know. And I also think like, you know, not talking down to people, uh, really helps build those relationships because, you know, maybe it's the future, you know, CFO that kicked his uh, UPS out and, you know, you want to have a good relationship with them uh, going forward in the future. But I've also found that it's like, sometimes it's hard to do if you're not conscious of it, right? Like people get in bad, including myself, like I get in a bad mood, somebody asked me something and I could just be like, I don't know, did you reboot it? Like you reboot it, you reboot it, you reboot it. I, my wife gets mad at me a lot of times. She's like, true, I've already rebooted it. I know to reboot things. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, yes, of course, of course, of course. But, uh, you know, just yeah. I think one of the themes of our podcast is talking to people like they're other human beings because they they are. <laughs> yeah. And that's why picnic is so important. I try to discourage people from that because that might be true. It's a picnic, but that's it's it's of no consequence whether they are whether they are not the important thing is how do you help this person solve the problem and i think a lot of that is again meeting the person where they are as opposed to bringing your own judgments and your prejudices to the uh the equation you just say okay this person is called they said this so let me go through the non-technical checklist so let's see is your lights working when you flip the switch the lights come on so okay we've got that so you got electricity so then um uh, do you have any other technology around you? Is that working? You're trying to, is your phone working? You're trying to get to the bottom of where the problem is so that you can actually help. Because when you go through that Rubik or that benchmark, you're going through the what's in the middle, right? So here are the, te- the typical things that happen when a person has a technology problem. Here's the thing. So, you know, you know, it might be some, it might be corrupted. It might have, uh, you know, the application may be still running. It didn't quit when you turn off, whatever it is. You got all those kind of things you might go through. But at the end, you know, it's just accepting that this person has this problem and I'm going to do everything I can to help. 
And I want to say one more thing about that. So one of the downsides of being such a vast industry now is the outsourcing of support overseas or over, you know, so, so a lot of companies do that, right? So they outsource it to some number or some group of people that's sitting somewhere in the world that answers. If you haven't trained your people to, to understand, one, to speak clearly so people understand what you're saying, but two, to understand that these people may not understand the lingo that you, i.e. the trained people overseas have learned to speak in terms like that. So I think that there is a downsize for, side for sending support overseas, especially if these people are not technicians. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. And I, I think on the flip side of that is a lot of times we'll have colleagues in different cultures and different, uh, not different different cultures, but different like uh, places around the world and just sort of being aware that like, hey, maybe I can't use my normal like relaxed dude slang. Like maybe I need to be more clear about these things when communicating because, you know, they're not some person from, uh, you know, Southeastern United States. <laughs> And I think it's a matter of making sure that if you're re outsourcing your, your support, that you train those people in a way that he or she is familiar with the entire structure of your organization. So, you know, somebody calls them and says, you know, my computer won't come on. You know, first of all, they're articulate and enough to say, uh, you know, repeat back what the person has said to you. You said your computer won't come on to make sure they heard what you said and then that they are prepared to do that. And I think that all of that in the job space is just being aware that you know, whatever job you may take in, in, in STEM, that you have to be aware of the people who you will be serving and working with. So if you don't have a, a good relationship with your colleague, i.e., I can't deal with this person. Can you, hey, Drew, I'm having difficulty talking to this customer. Will you help me to have someone that you can transfer to if you can't solve the problem? Because the end goal is to keep your customer happy. That's your end goal. You know? So because they're the reason why you're there. You yeah. know, and if you aren't doing your job to keep them happy, I don't care how, what you think about them, they're the reason why you're there. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to Eminent Teachnology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.